Well, happy spring transfer portal period to all of those who observe. Brian Kelly kind of highlighted their approach to the spring transfer portal period. And honestly, I breathed a sigh of relief. You are locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, welcome into Locked on LSU. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, we are on YouTube as well. YouTube also free. So like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Just appreciate you for being here and appreciate you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. My name is Caroline Fenton and I am your host as I am every day. You can follow me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1 or Follow along with the podcast at Locked On LSU. So tomorrow, April 15th, officially starts the spring transfer portal period. Now, this is the last transfer portal period before the conclusion of the 2023 season. Remember, now we have two portal periods that equal to be about a month. We have the period in April, and then we have the period more so in the wintertime, December, January. So April 15th through the end of April will mark the spring transfer portal period. And remember what I always say, the transfer portal giveth and the transfer portal taketh away. But I view the spring transfer portal period a little bit differently than I do, say, the December, January winter transfer portal period. The transfer portal period that comes right after the conclusion of a season. Because I think in the wintertime, after the season, you could transfer for a multitude of different reasons. It could be playing time. Either you didn't get enough or you don't see a path to having the playing time that you want. Look at Walker Howard, for example. He entered the transfer portal in that period because he just didn't get the playing time and didn't see the path to the playing time that he wanted. Whether it be your coach gets fired or um, you you want to follow a coach to a different program. Totally makes sense. If your coach gets fired in the middle of the season, you're like, hey, man, like this is the guy that recruited me. I'm going to stick with that guy. I want to stay with that coach. So I'm going to follow that coach wherever they go or find a new landing spot away from this program. Totally get it. Totally understand. The spring transfer portal period, however, I believe players enter whenever they go into spring practice with a uh, with a positional battle and they lose out on that positional battle. So I view the quality of players in this transfer portal period versus the December-January transfer portal period to be lower. You're not going to get as as solid of legitimate starters in this portal period. For the most part, that's a total general statement. Um, But you can find some some really quality players probably in in this transfer portal period. It's not a uh, it's not a blanket statement. It's just overall how I view it of you can find legitimate starters in the transfer portal period the winter. Now, these are guys that couldn't find starting jobs in their last stop. So now they're just trying to find somewhere else to go. So I view it for the most part. And that's not a blanket statement. It's just simply a generalization that you're going to find not as high quality of players now. So with that being said, that's that's my soapbox. That's my philosophy with the spring transfer portal period. 
Now, I said that I kind of breathed a sigh of relief whenever I heard Brian Kelly kind of highlight their spring transfer portal plan. And I'll explain why. This was Brian Kelly earlier this week uh, following a spring practice about how they are approaching the spring transfer portal period. This was Brian Kelly. Um, I, I still think that um, there's, a, there's a couple of needs on defense and, and – you know, I think we're still, you know, maybe interested on the offensive line. You know, I think there's still an interest to, to add to our offense. Um, but, but I would say that we're guarded at this period of time as to, you know, somebody that's going to make a difference in an LSU football lineup. Um, these are probably going to be uh, guys that can add depth. Um, to what you're doing. I don't think you can go out there swinging for, you know, a starter um, that's going to come in and change the trajectory of your, you know, your starting lineup. These are guys that can contribute and and be part of your depth. And I think that that's kind of what we're looking at. So I will tell you why I felt relieved. And that is because Brian Kelly said that they are approaching this period to just find depth guys, to find guys that they can add to this room or to certain positional group rooms just to add some depth, maybe add some veterans, maybe add some experience, but they're not looking for legitimate starters in this in this spring period. And thank goodness, because I think that's the best possible position that you can be in. That's where you want to be, where you're not constantly relying on the transfer portal to find starting guys or to find guys that you think legitimately can compete for a starting job. And anything can happen. You can have that philosophy going into the spring transfer portal period, and then you find this player that's like, oh my goodness gracious, how in the world did we find this guy? And then that person blossoms into a starter. I'm not saying that none of these guys that you find in the spring aren't going to be solid players for you or even legitimate starters. But what I am saying is you don't want to have to rely on that you don't want to have to rely on and this is going to sound really rude and really crass and I don't mean it like that but that's kind of how I feel is you don't want to rely on another team's scrap heap (laughs) to to be your legitimate starters not at this caliber program not at LSU and then and that might seem obvious to you but like I look at Florida for example and if you haven't seen the hilarity that was the Florida spring game and it's funny for us on the outside looking in if you were a Florida fan Probably not very funny for you, Um, but the hilarity that was the Florida spring game and then Billy Napier spoke to the media afterwards and they said, yeah, no, like we are, we are actively searching for a quarterback in the transfer portal in the spring. What? You're telling me a program with the caliber of Florida is still looking for guys that could play quarterback for them. And I know everything that's happened with Florida and, you know, Anthony Richardson goes to the NFL draft and then they've had some serious, serious, um, I mean, I don't even know the right word to use. Um, just unfortunate circumstances, I guess, is the nicest way to put it. Um, with some of their their quarterbacks that were coming in, or some quarterbacks that were competing for the starting job, I know that there were some unforeseen circumstances there. But still, that's not a position that you want to be in. That you have to rely on this quarterback that you know went through spring practice and couldn't find a clear path to getting the the time that he wanted. So now you're bringing them into your program and now you're going to have to rely on this quarterback that you found in the spring transfer portal. And I just, that's not a good 
position to be in because one, the quality of player isn't going to be as high. And that's just my interpretation of it. And two, you're getting that player in at earliest late April, early May. You're already behind the eight ball when every other player starting player on every other team in your conference has already been in the room for either weeks or years and has already started knocking rust off in spring practice. Getting a player in the spring or summer isn't the end of the world, but you want to start getting them in and getting them acclimated and evaluating them and seeing really where they do fit. I know you're saying, okay, well, what about those recruits that didn't enroll early? That's different because that there's only so much that you can do when you're in a recruit coming in. What about those transfer players that aren't transferring until the summer, like a Mason Lunsford? Yes, I hear you, but they've already locked down Mason Lunsford. They already know what they're getting in Mason Lunsford, and he's already been in college football for quite some time, and he is a starting caliber player that didn't leave Maryland just because he didn't get any starting time. He left Maryland for a better opportunity at LSU. So I think those are different circumstances, but I can totally see how you could poke holes in an argument. But that's I, I think that LSU is in a, a good place right now, that they do not have to rely on this transfer portal period to build a starting roster, but they can use it to their advantage to find depth pieces and to fill in holes to make them feel a little bit more insurance going into the year. And the same it, the same goes for the other side. If there are players that decide to leave LSU in the spring transfer portal period, I would say other than maybe like a Garrett Nussmeyer, maybe some offensive line depth, you're going to be okay. Because if they didn't see a path at LSU, then you're not really losing much at LSU. Um, and that's no disrespect to any of those players. No disrespect whatsoever to any player finding a better opportunity via the transfer portal. But coming up next, what are some of those position groups that LSU could be looking for in the transfer portal period? We'll get into that coming up next. But before March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we do that, I want to tell you about Built Bar. So y'all know I love Built Bars. They're a delicious snack and they don't have any sugar or calories. They don't have the sugar or calories that you might love like in a, in a candy bar, so to speak. So you need to f- find the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar, you have got to try them. And if you're like me and you want to start making better choices, if you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then this is the thing for you. Built Bars are amazing. They're healthy. They taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so good and you won't even know that they're good for you because they don't taste like it. You've got to try them. And what makes them so good is for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real dark chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream, and I'm not sure how they do it, but they make them taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein, and now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart 
or Sam's Club, well, you can still get your specialty flavors still at Built.com. So head to Walmart, walk in the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. Or if you're closer to Sam's Club, hop in there. Grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. The puffs are delicious. You can thank me later. Well, thanks again for making Locked and LSU your first listen every day. Every dayers. Next week on the show, on Monday, we will continue our NFL draft coverage with some LSU players whose stock is rising, whose stock is falling, and we'll continue to get into that over the next couple of weeks as we lead up to the NFL draft at the end of the month. So transfer portal period starts tomorrow on uh, April 15th. So it runs from Saturday all the way through the end of the month. So what are some position groups that LSU could be targeting in the transfer portal? Now, remember, hold on. Sorry about that. Um, Remember, Brian Kelly isn't looking to this transfer portal period to rely on starters. He's looking just to add some depth, which is a good position to be in and a better position than some others out there. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Florida. Um, Not to name names. But some areas that I am looking at first and foremost, and Brian Kelly kind of highlighted it, some defensive players that they were looking for, maybe some players in the offensive line. And that's number one for me is offensive line depth. I don't think that you can ever have enough depth on the offensive line. And I think this is just my own offensive line philosophy. Swing tackles are great. Um, Versatile offensive linemen are wonderful. But I think that your offensive line should start with players that belong at those positions. Your left tackle should be a left tackle. Your right tackle should be a right tackle. Your center should be a center. You know, like these, like those starting pieces need to be those designated position groups that they have honed in on their craft, that they have practiced, you know, for years and years and years. And then once you get into your depth, that's when you can start to collect some of those swing tackles. Guys that can work on the outside, on the left side, can go over to the right side, can play inside, can play guard on either the right or left side. Guys that might be guards that could play center, things like that. Guys that are just a little bit more versatile. So I'm looking at it like build the offensive line with Will Campbell on the left, with Emery Jones on the right, and then fill it in from there. Because it's easier to kind of to fill in on the inside than it does on the left. As long as you got those tackles secured, it gets a little bit easier on the inside. Of course, center is such a key, key, key position, period. But also, we saw how shaky that offensive line looked last year whenever it was a revolving door at the center position. Center is so important. I always say I think the center is like the second smartest guy on offense behind the quarterback. Your center is basically your your quarterback 2.0. So to have a consistent center that your quarterback trusts and they've built a rapport with I think is so important. So we saw the revolving door at center last year was kind of detrimental to this offensive line. So I think finding some center depth is going to be really important for this team to have one guy to be the go-to guy and a backup guy right behind him, but you don't miss a beat. So you're not forced to, okay, well now, since that center is out, knock on wood, if that happens, but let's be real, injuries happen. If the starting center goes down, well, now we don't have to move our right guard to center and then our left guard to right guard and then a, a guy that's on the bench into left guard. You know, it's just a lot of moving around. 
I always look at it like with the offensive line, keep as much intact as you can. Change as little as possible if change is necessary. So finding interior lineman depth and especially just offensive lineman depth as a whole, finding those versatile guys to be your depth pieces, allowing your starters to be your starters, I think is one of my my own personal transfer portal priorities. Number two, sticking with the offensive side of the ball. This has been a position of need really since, um, I would say, the, the the conclusion of this past season, and that's finding more tight end depth. And really, I would say, if you're going to find anything at the tight end position, if you're looking for anyone in the transfer portal at the tight end position, it's a guy with a lot of college experience. If that happens to be a guy with only one year of remaining eligibility, I'm cool with that. I never like to take guys in the transfer portal that are going into their final season because then you're forced to go back every single year and replace those positions. However, if I, I'm looking at this tight end position, there's a lot of young talent. I look at Camorian Pimpton, for example, example Jackson McGowan from Cincinnati, some of this young talent that could rise up and ultimately fill in those, those starting roles at tight end. They're just, they're just not quite ready yet. Or if they are, Wonderful. You just don't want to have to rely on young freshmen or young talent to fill in those roles that have very high expectations. It's the same thing with this transfer portal period. You don't want to go into the season relying on the transfer portal. You don't want to go into the season just hoping and praying and relying on true freshmen that will develop into ideally, hopefully, what you think that they can because hope is not a strategy. Keeping your fingers crossed is not a strategy. So I'm looking at a tight end. Doesn't matter if it's a guy that only has one year remaining. That's fine. You really only need a guy for one, maybe two years as these young guys start to develop and then can fill in next to Mason Taylor, a guy that looks so has made so much progress from the beginning of the year to the end of the year last year and will continue to be a focal point and a fixture in this offense moving forward. So on the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at the offensive line and I'm also looking at tight end. And there are also some some defensive pieces as well that I think LSU can look for. Not a piece that I would have said maybe three or four weeks ago is a position of need or maybe a, uh, one position group that I'm kind of targeting. Um, I would say the defensive backs as a whole, you can never have too many corners. You can never have too many safeties because especially with a defensive coordinator like Matt House, that can be so creative, that can plug and play so well. But I'm looking at safety, and that's really just because of the injuries that we've seen over the last couple of days. Greg Brooks out there with a walking boot on and off and on and off. Brian Kelly said he was 80%. He hopes to get back out there soon, um, he said, by the end of this week. So that's fine. You know, let Greg Brooks heal his ankle. Let him get back to health. I'd rather him sit out of spring practice than play on an 80% ankle and push through. And then come October, his ankle is, you know, is 60%, is 50%, is 40%, and he's not good to go. Um, but also major burns out for the rest of spring practice. Um, you're going to want some more safety depth there. While Javian Toviano looks very encouraging, um, while Jackson Howard looks very encouraging as well, again, you don't want to rely on freshmen. And that's no disrespect to the freshmen. It's just hoping that they can adjust to the college level right away is Mm, I, I'm not super comfortable with that. If they do adjust right away and they do become starters for you week one, and then those are, you know, three, four year starters for you for the next, you know, for the entirety of their college career. Perfect. Wonderful. Great. You just have more depth. 
But coming up next, I want to get into night one of LSU baseball series with Kentucky and looking ahead to the rest of the weekend as well. We'll get into that coming up next. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So um, I'll go back to my mailbag Wednesday. Uh, there was one person who asked, are you concerned about the LSU baseball team offensively because of what we saw against South Carolina? Remember two games against South Carolina, that third game got rained out. LSU lost that first game 13-5. That was the weird game that had a rain delay in the middle of it. Paul Skeens only got two or three innings in. Weird, funky game. They gave up a bunch of runs late in the game. Second game was the late game comeback. Um, it was a grand slam from Gavin Dugas to tie. And then it came below. So RBI bringing home Dylan Cruz to win it. So it was a one, one series. Third game was, was canceled. And it wasn't a, a series that I think you could step away from and say, man, oh man, I feel good about this team, but it wasn't a panic button series for me. It's really easy to look at one game, one series and overreact, but you got to remember, you got to look at the body of work as a whole, but it was a totally fair question. I said, I wasn't concerned about the offense, but I was concerned about two things. One of those things being bullpen depth. The second of seeing as though, you know, gave up you know, 13 runs in that game one whenever Paul Skeens wasn't able to finish the game. Um, two was injuries. So while last night proved to me that the offense is no problem, LSU run ruled Kentucky through eight innings, 16-6, two grand slams against Kentucky last night, one three-run homer. I mean, it was a freaking hit parade. It was, I mean, LSU scored 11 of their 16 runs on three hits. I mean, it was unreal to watch. It was unreal. It got really ugly really quickly for LSU last night. Also, Paul Skeens had a hell of a game last night on Thursday night. Paul Skeens became the first pitcher in college baseball to record 100 strikeouts. I mean, he had a great game. Absolutely great game on Thursday night. One thing that I do look at with Paul Skeens is um, – his his endurance is remarkable. Um, his longevity is really, really impressive. I would say each of his outings, he's consistently throwing 100-plus pitches. How how long can he keep that up? And if he can keep that up for, for that long, you know, like this team is going to be in, in good shape, especially on Friday night or at least night one of the series. Um, that is one thing that I'm looking at Paul Skeens is – can he continue this longevity? Um, we'll continue to look at Paul Skeens and we'll continue to look at the bullpen as time goes on. We've got plenty of time to do that. But I'd say the offense as a whole last night, if anybody was concerned about it, there you go. There's your two grand slam and one three run homer performance. And that didn't even scratch the surface of, of LSU 16 runs last night. But there was one thing that I was concerned about and I am doubling down on that today and that's the injuries. Gavin Dugas had a really, really scary spill in the infield last night. He dove to go catch a ball in the infield, and he kind of landed funny. I believe it was his right shoulder, and he was rolling around in pain. After You could tell right after he hit the ground, he was rolling around, and it was really unsettling to watch. Um, it's almost 100% certain Jay Johnson said, I'm not confirming anything, but the trainer is, is pretty positive. It's a separated shoulder. And that is really horrible news. Have yet to get an update on Gavin Dugas and the confirmed injury, what the timeline is going to be for him. If it requires surgery, um, 
I've separated a shoulder before. I didn't need surgery, but I'm also not a, a collegiate baseball player. So we shall see. Um, but that's a really, really bad sign for LSU. One, because, you know, the injury bug starts to hit this time of year, and we've seen it more times than not hurt this team coming down the stretch, a team with so much talent that just kind of crashes and burns at the end of the season. Maybe crashes and burns is a dramatic term, but whatever, I'll use it anyways, towards the end of the season because of injuries. I don't want to see this team go down the same slippery slope. And it's unavoidable. Injuries happen. This is sports. You know, you can't you can't control it, but it's still something that could be detrimental to your season nonetheless. And Gavin Dugas is your, is your leadoff hitter. Gavin Dugas has been really the guy over the last couple of series that when you need offense, Gavin Dugas can get it for you. So that's a, a, a big hit offensively and defensively and LSU they have options to fill in um for Gavin Dugas in the infield you know they they have enough depth there to fill in just just have bodies I would say Gavin Guidry might be the most likely player freshman Gavin Guidry to fill in um for Gavin Dugas in the infield but losing his clutchness in the in the batting lineup it's it's gonna hurt and so we'll keep everyone updated with more information as we get Gavin get the uh, um, official word and diagnosis of Gavin Dugas, how long he may be out, but it's going to hurt for this team. Absolutely. But back out there on the mound tonight against Kentucky, we'll have a full recap coming up next week. But that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every day. You can find us on your preferred podcast platform. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button and you won't miss a single second of your Locked on LSU content.